Got You Podcast. I am Heather, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Keisha and Renee. Today, our topic is going to be on children's mental health. It's a conversation we're having with Dr. Jones, who is our esteemed guest. She is, her name is Dr. Makita Jones. She's a forensic psychiatrist, in addition to a child and adolescent psychiatrist. Dr. Jones has a gift of treating children and adolescents who are or have been involved with the law and family court. So welcome, Dr. Jones. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And you are, where, where are you from again? Brooklyn. <laughs> Brooklyn, New York, but um, originally my family is West Indian descent. So my mom is from Trinidad and my dad is from Barbados. So even though I was born and raised in Brooklyn, you know, culturally I was raised West Indian. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, welcome, welcome. All right. So we do have a couple of questions that we're going to ask each about. A lot of things that's going on, especially, you know, what just happened with DMX, you know, with him just passing away, knowing that he had a lot of issues as a teenager and as a child that probably was never treated. So a lot of these questions, you know, are going to deal with kids and how do we deal with certain situations. So my first question is, right, what are the, what, are mental health issues prevalent in children as it is in adults? Yes. And the reason why I say that is um, adults have a certain type and it presents a certain way, but children also have types of disorders that only occur with children. And all of us, there is, it's about the same and it's just about recognizing it um, as we are being more aware of mental illness, then more kids are getting help especially in the schools. We have a lot of school-based systems that are helping kids um, who are identified as having some um, issues. Okay. Okay. Thank you. My other question is, is the mental health of our children being affected by social media? And if so, in which ways are they being affected? You know, it's, we have, like at the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, we have a whole uh, portion of the academy that looks at this, and I would say 100%, but it's not always in the way you think. So there's a new disorder that came out from social media. It's like um, internet addiction disorder, right? So that's one thing. Two, the, the amount of screen time they've been looking at and the child's development and, you know, and what they're finding is because more kids are online, social media, they are reading at a lower level. And so there's a recommendation that is less than an hour a day on computer social media. That's the recommendation, but I know a lot of parents hard for them. I know, I know. The other thing about social media, which has been growing and it has been a challenge in the social media thing, is cyberbullying, which is huge. And not only cyberbullying, but like uh, clicks and being accepted, being not accepted. Like there's a whole culture that we know about on social media that 
as adults, maybe you wouldn't take it. But you know, when somebody un- like if you get unfriended or if you got blocked, that's like you know being a little hard. That right. you know what I'm saying? Some of them come to a place. What happened? She thought I don't know what I did. You know? Oh, I feel you. I feel you. Know? Or if one of your friends flash you on Instagram or Facebook and you didn't even know they had a problem with you, and so a lot of this impacts them. And so there's so much isolation now through COVID. So, so many people are, are like, this is video. And so you can imagine you're, who you are. You're not in school. Who you are is represented on social media. And um, I started using Instagram. And I don't know if you, even Instagram, like everybody got to have likes who's following you. It, it impacts your self-esteem, whether you got that picture good or not. And of course, you know, with females and males, there's a lot of eating disorders that um, get started from this. They're looking at um, they're looking at these polished pictures, <laughs> and uh, you know, if they see a Cardi B now, they want to they want you know they're doing everything to get the Cardi B butt right, even if they gotta buy it right. <laughs> so, right. Um, Everybody, even little kids, want to dress like the stars, you know, um, the way they carry themselves. Um, a lot of my young guys, they, they have eating disorders because they're trying to get a grip. You know what I'm saying? They're trying to, like, and they're doing all kinds of, like, push-ups and stuff. And so that's why I did child forensics. And it is, it's a battle because gangs are alluring and they provide brotherhood. This this kind of lifestyle is glamorized pushes our black men to believe that this is the way. You know what I'm saying? Like this is the way you could get some respect. This is the way you can get out. Understand. Okay. Okay. Um, so we let's move on um and talk about I don't know if you've probably heard that there's a lot of suicide rates among elementary school age kids all the way up to college age kids and I remember coming across this article about it and I just think how comes this is not being mentioned um so much in in the media as like adults um mental um or adult suicide rates why do you think that the mental health among younger children or college age students get left out of a conversation it's hardly talked about what let me ask you this article you saw where was it it was somewhere it's an article i came across on google yeah and they talked about clark county um yeah being one of the the counties that the they, they're seeing high suicide rate among students and they yeah. linked it to covid yeah but yeah. you don't see cover much on like other mainstream media like like we see it you know Covered up with when it comes to adults. Why do you think that is? Well, partially, I will say that there is, there has been some coverage, but um, a lot of times to be able to publish an article, you need that data, right? Mm-hmm. And so with children, it's always a lag because oh. people don't volunteer, you know, like adults, they'll volunteer the information. But with kids, you gotta make sure. Things are embedded. You got to make sure the parents are involved. So what you'll see is like 
the adult data would come out and then the, the kid data. But it doesn't mean that um, people aren't, it's not important. And um, it's just so funny you said that because this is one of my articles. I was <laughs> yeah, this is an article. What's the, the name of it? It's an article from the New York Times from May 19th, 2020. And it says, is the pandemic sparking suicide? And the New York Times interviewed me to look at like what's up with kids, right? So there is some interest, but the problem yeah. is it's all speculation, right? Okay. And the other thing is kids change and develop over time. So before you can make conclusions, you gotta look at what's happening, what other things are impacting them. Kids are impacted by the environment. So you know, you gotta see whether it's really COVID or whether it's something else. But we are very interested. And I will tell you, um, I'm the director of Kings County Emergency. So I see all the people, I, the kids and adults, and I have been seeing an increase in suicidal ideation and suicide attempts. And the thing that the kids say that has been consistent thus far is isolation. And 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 I, you know, don't recognize how much school right. kids are like social beings and, and they interact. And so it is a lot of isolation. Also, you know, kids get stressed. And that's something I really I'm hoping I can come get this across to parents. And kids will do as well as the adults do around them. And one thing COVID has done, it has created instability, okay? Kids have gone homeless. They've gone without food. Um, they may have had to move in with another family member. And that by itself is trauma. They may have had to change schools. And so there's so many things that kind of come into play. Um, I do believe um as time goes on there's going to be more research but it's going to take a little bit because we got consent so for example i have a young lady in the er and she's going to do a study looking at all the kids who came in with suicidal ideation and mm -hmm. if there's some commonality right but you know that's going to take a lot of irb approval um i think the other thing is that there's so much going on with COVID. I think people are COVIDed it out. You know, <laughs> like I think I think people are like, yo, I can't even talk about this no more. It's like everything's bad, you know. And um, with kids, the focus right now is so much on education, which is appropriate. But um, the mental health world, child world, we are we're seeing it, treating it. And so we are here to help educate parents, um, teachers, how to see it or at least see the signs of it. So that way you can get them help. Now, the beauty of COVID is Medicaid, everything pays. You know, you just put COVID, they'd be like 100%. You know, so and this is the time if you get mental health, you go get it, you know, because you're going to get it. And, and I think. Something that I think COVID did to it revolutionized medicine. Mm -hmm. 
before you have to go in an office, there would be a stigma, you gotta be in the clinic, you gotta be, sit down, sit down, you know, like people say, you know, <laughs> you know and people were like, oh, fuck here, you know. But now with COVID, like telemedicine, we used to do telemedicine before, don't get me wrong, mostly in forensics, but it has blown up. Now, psychiatrists like myself would be like, oh, are we gonna get close to them? We're not gonna make a connection. Can I tell you that human beings are so resilient? Like I saw some patients on the camera and I was so shocked how connected they were with me. You know what I mean? Even the kids, like they, and it's almost like, you know, like one mother, she, I mean, okay, okay. She could have gotten dressed, yeah, she was in her bathrobe. But let me tell you, I got a very good history because my girl had one baby on it. And you know, you know, she's breastfeeding. But what I'm saying is like, I probably wouldn't have even met her if I, and, and it was amazing, you know, and as people come in the house, it's almost like doing home visits, like back in the days, you know? And you know, you go, I'm, I wonder if my kid has ADHD. Now, when a kid comes into the office, they're on their best behavior. You wanna know why? Because they have been, um, I don't know if you had this to my mother, you're not going to embarrass me in public, right? But when you see kids in their natural environment, oh man, their whole, if they weren't talking much, it comes out. Or if they were, I don't know what she's talking about. I'm not violent. And then his sister yells and he bashes her in the head. Like this is so, mental health has changed. It has gotten um, better. And as I'm saying, like more people are getting help. And it's private and um, it's beautiful. Now there are clinics that are still. You kind of answered the other question that I was going to get into and how um, children cope during tough times. But I want to go back a little bit to you said there's no there's not a lot of data that's available for children. Um, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. But um, and then you mentioned, did you talk in, in your article? Did you talk anything about data um, when they interviewed you or no, as you no. said? And this article, he was just he interviewed that this is back in May. And it was oh, like okay. a fresh COVID. But when, when when he was interviewing us, he was first of all just asking a question because at that time we really didn't know we were seeing an increase in suicidal ideation. But and it's like, do you think in kids this will get worse? Right. And so, you know, we were like most likely, but we're not sure. And so okay. and even if we collect data. We gotta figure out what time frame we're gonna use. Like, is it, are we, you know, like what's post COVID? You know, it's like what's in COVID. Um, but something you brought up about kids coping, we, you know, there's a whole um, subset of what we call disaster therapy that is developed when kids experience like hurricanes or like the earthquake in Haiti. Um, and so this is not you. And what, what I found is the same kind of trajectory, what kids go through after a natural disaster where everyone is impacted, is the same way kids have been, been going through COVID. So there's this first phase where they're like, they're scared, but they don't know what's going on. And 
you know, and then their parents, you know, they're getting more exposed and then this huge hike of stress, right? And then at some point, it's almost like they're like, look, I got to go back and play. And then it goes down. But then, like, when the reality hits that, man, I don't know. It's like everybody is whatever. And then it goes up. And at that point is where we're hoping that we know this is normal. But this is where we're hoping that the, the stress and the symptoms, we can help um, abate it. So I tell family members, kids are pretty resilient, okay? And they're going to do as good as the adults in the house are going to do, okay? If there is chaos in the house, yelling in the house, you're going to see these kids really stressed out. So what I was telling, because I, I did some interviews early on with different churches, and they were asking, like, what can we do for the kids, you know? And one thing I said was, Routine, routine, routine. Routine decreases a lot of people's anxiety, but for kids particularly, that's why schools have routine. So when they were on quarantine, I said something as simple as, this is the date, this is the day of the week, this is um, where, what day of the week, and then kind of having like a schedule, like, okay, so we're going to read a devotional, after that, we're going to have breakfast. After that, we're going to like brush our teeth, get back. And um, and then after that, we're going to sign on to school, you know? And just going through the day, I mean, it was annoying. I'm not going to pretend because I got two, right? So in the beginning, I'm giving this advice, but I was very mad. Because okay? how are you going to do it for a fourth grader and a kid, a pre K? Okay, what's the pre K going to be doing, you know? But and I told them, I know it's rough because like some. Let me tell you, alcoholism, domestic violence increased so much during COVID. Just divorces, you know, people didn't know how much they didn't like each other. Because you know? <laughs> they're now stuck in the same house, you know, arguments. Um, and what I'm trying to say, particularly alcohol. And when a parent starts drinking, that causes some instability. You know what I'm saying? And but the question is, why are they drinking, right? Um, it is like if you are a young girl, you have five kids, and they're telling you that you're going to homeschool five kids, but don't worry, we're going to give you a laptop. All you got to do is log in. Well, two of the kids probably got to log in at eight o'clock. The four of them got to log in. No, the other three got to log in at nine. But the 8 o'clock one to be done at 8.30, and you need to come back and log in at 10. The 9 said, okay, we're going to stay until 9.45. Now you're confused. Wait, 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 wait. Who's at the, the 9.45 people, and then you be like, no, mommy, science was canceled. And you don't know what the hell to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so like, and so it was, it, it, it was such a stressful thing for the parents. And... They were left, you know, God forbid you had a kid with special needs. Now you gotta be making appointments for, for speech. But let me tell you, both my kids have autism. I told the speech teacher, she's out of luck, okay? I can't, I can't, I can't, okay? They don't need to talk for a little bit. Hey, I'm tired, okay? Shoot, you know, my kids, you know, they got autism, they got OT, they got speech, they got uh, counseling. 
after a while, I was like, yo, so we're going to have to cut back something. They were like, man, your kid needs these services according to the IT. I was like, you want me and to wait. lose my license? <laughs> you want me to lose my license? I'm about to scream. Like, and so this is what I'm getting at. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Where, where families had teens and child abuse, you know? That's the other thing that impacts people and kids wanting to kill themselves. Child abuse has skyrocketed. And um, the reason why is because a lot of times, and, and child abuse and hunger, a lot of times school is the only place where a kid is safe. You don't even know that. It's the only place where they get to school. You know what I'm saying? And so um, if normal parents want to put them upside down, you know, because <laughs> you have them all day. You can imagine, like, parents are stressed, and a lot of the, the DV, and, you know, I've seen a lot of kids, you know, it's just, it was overwhelming for everyone. So that's yeah. another reason why it's hard to stay with kids, because so many things increase. Them, <laughs> them experience domestic violence, child abuse, hunger, like in New York, you know what they eventually did? They gave uh, every child that was in public education, they gave an EBT card for the parents. So, because they couldn't come to school. So, whatever the cost of lunch and breakfast every day, they gave them money to get groceries. Oh, wow. Okay. Didn't know that. <clears throat> All right. Switching gears a little bit. All right, so do you think there's a disparity in how mental health issues are addressed among children in the Black community versus other communities? And I'll add this portion of it too. Um, for example, do you believe that Black children in the school system are more likely to be labeled or medicated um, for certain behaviors than the non-Black children? So you can break that down however you feel fit. Okay, well... I'm going to kind of organize it in, in the first level, right? The first level is districts of where people live, right? So your question is asking about Black kids versus other minorities versus majorities, right? It really, the schools are separated by districts, right? And every district gets funding by the people who live there, right? So... I would say in the poorer districts, there's less money, less funding, less um, textbooks, less teachers that are qualified. In the higher level um, is where you get like parents who are paying higher taxes and so there's more resources and et cetera, et cetera, right? So I would say a black child that is in this district, yeah their education is going to be less. But if there's a Black child in a higher affluent district, they're going to get the, the same education, you know? And that that's kind of the way it works. So it's more than just race. And that's what parents learn. So, like, one of my friends, we you know, we trained in the Bronx, right? And she remembered what was going on with her boys in school. So she looked up everything, and she went to Nyack, New York. And I at that school district, I mean, they don't play school. And there's all these resources that, you know, the boys got a great education. So I would say instead of saying black versus not, it, it really is where they are. 
versus not. Secondly, unfortunately, the schools, because of the districts, tend to be kind of segregated. If, if it's like black, it's like black, Hispanic, and maybe one or two Caucasian kids, right? Who is just as gangster as everybody else, right? <laughs> And then, you know, and, and you go up here to the affluent and there may be like, oh, oh sorry, there may be Asians out here too who also are flogged, right? So over here, there may be this affluent community where there's more Asian, whatever, but they're getting the same education. And, I, and, and what I'm saying is like, it actually is separated by money more so than color, right? It doesn't, but it doesn't mean color. What happens is you have kids who are mostly minority, mostly Hispanic, whatever, and they don't get the same information. They don't get the same resources, you know? Um, then we go to labeling, diagnosing. So I'm assuming you're talking about like misbehavior, like all kids misbehave, right? And you're running down the halls, whatever. And I would say that not only is there more, more, there's more kids in the classroom usually. And so, and there's not as many teachers, right? So when a child misbehaves, it is a big deal because they don't disrupt and everything and whatever. And so, yes, when a child starts to misbehave, the I've seen the gut wrench reaction would be, oh, I guess like he probably got ADHD. So I right. actually saw a lot of that for kids were getting diagnosed with ADHD, they were getting diagnosed with mood disorder, they were getting, you know, now here's my thing though. If a child is acting out, that is a symptom. It's just like cough, right? So you can't say, oh. They have a cough, so oh my gosh, do they have lung cancer? You know, it's like, wait a minute, you know, if they have a cough, you gotta look at, you gotta evaluate, talk to them, do labs, whatever. And then based on all of that information, then you can make the diagnosis, right? So if a kid is acting up, but they know everything ain't fine. Um, and so those are kind of like the uh, anxiety. When I look at more like conduct, which is breaking the rules, um, beating people up, not feeling bad, picking arguments, um, that that kind of you know you look for trauma. So what I tell parents is is exactly what I tell you. If you think your kid may need mental health. Or if you think your man is cheating, it's true. It's true and it's true. Because nobody, you know, especially in Caribbean communities, you know, that's where I work, right? It's such a stigma that by the time a parent brings their kid in, it's after they tried everything else. Mm. So, like for example, like, you know. If a Haitian parent, Haitian is, that was my ex-husband. If a Haitian parent, we know the culture. If you see a Haitian parent bring their child to the emergency room 
You don't even have to talk to me, okay? It's it's immediate hospitalization. You get what I'm saying? Because you know that is so true. The last thing, I mean, this that means that this kid done like he, he must have jumped off the bridge and they caught him, okay? And my staff is like, what are you talking about? But then they see the same thing. If you see like I don't know any West Indian, Jamaican, Haitian, whatever, and they bring like their grandmother in for like stomach pain, you know, you gotta look for cancer. You gotta see if they're dying. You know, like they, you know what I'm saying? Like that's the thing. We, you know, people go, oh, everybody dies in Kings County, but no, it's not that. It's because people don't, you know, from the Tuskegee experiments, from how much we've been treated and misused, and the, the way you're seen if you have problems, like it's a weakness, and there's so much reliance on like herbs and natural medicines that do work. Um, so then by the time they ready to get help, it's usually at the really late stages, you know? And um, like I saw what you said, Keisha, that is true. Like anybody who, know, like if you know anybody who knows Haitian culture, can, I mean, like when I when I see, I, I say, and, and Lord, and if they're yellow, oh my gosh, let's get the medication. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, oh my gosh. And it, is, it has, it has, because, you know, so my husband is Haitian, like no real Haitian. Like he came here when he was like 32. You know, he grew up in America, right? And he didn't even speak English when we met. But he was so cute, and he was like, "Come on, show, 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 I was like, "Word, oh, show, 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 baby." Oh yeah, right. So I learned a lot from, like, like straight up, he grew up in Haiti, and it wasn't like when I was talking to guys who grew up in America. And he said to me, he was like, "You." He told me, he was like, I feel sorry for you because you have to approach so many demons every day. And I just don't want you to make money. I'm like, yo, son, I'm a medical doctor. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it was so hard for him to, to appreciate that, you know? And, and um, like, even if uh, one of the ladies at church had a bipolar episode, and all of a sudden there was this rumor that, she had went to somebody to help her get to America. And so this is the result of her using that. And you, you know, and I'm like, why? But then I stopped asking why. All I'm saying is by the time they brought her to the hospital, she was stripping herself, running around naked. Like, like if they could have just gotten her to sit down and like drink some alcohol and chill out, they would have done it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, because, and the tolerance of crazy in the church is like, as a psychiatrist, you know, I'm the only church, and um, and the more conservatives, <laughs> I mean, like, I'm shocked at what, you know, what the church is tolerating. So they'd be the pastor preaching, and they'd be like, there's somebody yelling out. Betty Swat, yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, and everybody's pretending like they not hearing it. You know what I'm saying? And um, you know, completely not with the service. She starts getting up and running up and down the hall. 
I was like, wait a minute, hold up. Are we Adventists or Pentecost? So I asked him. I was like, what's going on? And he was like, oh, that's just uh, mother so-and-so. Since her husband died, she's been like that. Don't worry, she's going to calm down. It's a loving community, but it can it can almost kill, like, you know, kill some of their, their rights on. So these subtle things, you know, I love these subtle things. That is why I'm feeling so sad. Sad. Oh, okay. So what are you not studying enough? Like, if, oh, you know, oh, oh, you know, I had to work, at, you know, or, you know, I'm just so scared. And they're like, what? Not, I'm talking about all Caribbean cultures. It's like, pick yourself up and, uh, Pick up your bootstraps and, you know, do something, you know. And it's like this intolerance mm -hmm. of being impacted by emotions. Absolutely. So, Dr. Jones, so this is our last question, right? So what can, what advice can you give to young adults experiencing mental health issues? Well, the beauty of young adults they may be on social media, but they are experts at gathering information, right? So the first thing I always say is if they're thinking they have a mental health issue, look it up. And I and it, you may get a lot of garbage, but at least it gets them thinking, right? And honestly, the hardest thing if you're a young adult. It's not so much you wanting to go through mental health treatment, it's getting to it. Like, usually they got to go through their parents. The parents give the consent. The parents have the insurance. <laughs> and it's, it's not always free, right? So, and you're thinking, you know, I have to beg to get some chicken wings and french fries. How are they going to take me to the doctor? You know, <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Like, like maybe the mom has, and, and then they're petrified that if they take you, somebody's going to see them. You know, and so for kids or young adults, if they're still under their parents, it's like basically trying to get their parents to understand. And some parents are very understanding. You know. That being said, there are other places where you can get help. There's a suicide hotline, 1-800-188, suicide. COVID has, you look on the, the website, COVID has a hotline. And when a kid turns 16, they are able to get their own substance abuse treatment, and pregnancy care privately. So, and then um, can happen is, you know, like I've had some kids do that. Like they call a hotline and then the hotline refers them to the clinic. And then um, the kid shows up and I'm like, where's your parents, you know? Oh, well, and I was like, no problem. So what happened now is I was able to back, backhand it, you know, get them into treatment because now I can be like, hi, this is Dr. Jones. Like that's another thing. I, I do believe in culturally sensitive mental health. My name is, you know, like when you're West Indian, MD means you know what you're doing, right? 
until they find out. You know, then but the point is that yeah. now when you know now you have a doctor calling you saying hey, and you're, they're like, oh my gosh, is my kid okay? And you're like, yeah, they're fine. But maybe you've already contacted your pediatrician, and so now it's not seen as a weakness or stigma. It's seen like another specialty of medicine, and one thing about clinics, which is also like I used to work at Brookdale, so the clinic would be on the 12th floor, but developmental was on the third floor, and pediatrics was on the sixth floor. And so what that did is it destigmatized coming to treatment. You know what I'm saying? Like, because no one knows where you're going, right? And so you could be going, and sometimes that's true. You can go to the 12th floor, and then I sent you for an EKG, and you got to go to the third floor. So now people are getting help, right? So that's what I tell you in those, depending on your age, depending on whether you're in college. Oh, here's the other thing. School mental health. School mental health. If it's a young kid, you can recommend them to get an evaluation through their school psychologist. And based on that evaluation, they can refer them to the school social worker that has therapy in the schools. Um, if they're in high school, there are, I love, if you have a good guidance counselor, they will, like, and they can keep it all in school so that it's not so bad, right? And there's a whole branch of child psychiatry that's called school-based, where we rotate and go see kids in the school. So that way, you know, that could be, if they're in college, college mental health clinics, I love it, you know, because they get to college now and a lot of schizophrenics go through this, right? They get to college and all of a sudden they're by themselves and not be function so much and they start going down, right? But there's usually a school clinic that any kid that's enrolled can just go talk to somebody, can be just counseling. But there's also psychiatrists there, there's, there's therapists there. And so college is where you see a lot of people really start to get help. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we really appreciate you being on tonight, Dr. Jones. I mean, we got a Good. lot of information that we could put out to our audience. So I really appreciate that. Do you have any Instagram or Facebook or anything that our audience could follow? Yes. Um, you know, it's so funny. I like, yes, I do. Um, I still, I, I forgot how to log on. <laughs> um, actually, um, so two things. Like, I want to say thank you, guys, because this platform is so powerful. It speaks to how far we've come and getting our voices heard. You know, and um, I just want, uh, uh, I just, I think I sent it to somebody, but you know, women in medicine, you know, like 2020, 2021, like best child psychiatrist in the world. You get what I'm saying? And so, what I love about what I do is like, this is what it's about. It's about brand, it's about networking, and it's about bringing everybody up. So, that's my passion. 
So yes, I have an Instagram. It's called Empower. My, my company is called Empowerment Changes Everything. I appreciate that. Thank you all. Thank you so much for being on again. Thank you. And this I Got You podcast, and we're out. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.